effective fitness combatives mission is to provide quality content and education for law enforcement officers through proven science-driven fitness and combatives. This EFC user course is a complete online program designed to elevate your approach to combatives with the ability to learn and train anywhere, anytime. Access the course materials through your browser at efcombatives.com or from the EF Combatives app available for download through Apple and Google Play stores. The course is broken down into easy-to-digest micro-learning modules, enabling you to move through the lecture, technique demonstration videos, and additional resources at your own pace. You also have direct access to industry-leading instructors for questions and feedback related to your training. After completion of this course, you will receive an EFC user certification that is valid for two years. We highly suggest you continue your combatives training at an EFC certified academy and continue on to other advanced courses within our curriculum. This episode is brought to you by Officer Privacy. Right now, data broker websites are posting your name and address online, which puts you and your family in danger. Anti-cop organizations use this information to harass and even dox you and your families without you even seeing it coming. Officer Privacy is a law enforcement-owned and operated organization that specializes in removing your personal information from the internet. When you sign up with Officer Privacy, they will remove information from dangerous databases all over the world so that you can enjoy an extra layer of protection and privacy. Officer Privacy also monitors these sites so that if anyone tries to put up your information, they will take it back down. Reduce your chances of being a victim and protect you and your family's private information. Go to officerprivacy.com forward slash be effective to sign up and learn more. Welcome to the Be Effective Podcast, episode 67, David Acosta. David started working as a law enforcement officer at an early age. Over the course of his 17-year career, he worked with multiple departments with emphasis on low-profile investigations, SWAT, tactical operations, and also as an instructor for his agency. Since retiring from law enforcement, David coaches for his own company, Allegiance Defense Solutions. There, he focuses on helping other Americans to become self-reliant in the defense of themselves and others. In this episode, we discuss how experience plays a role in becoming a qualified and effective teacher, the importance of looking at all the training material and the proper context in which that training material is used, becoming self-reliant for your safety and for that of your loved ones. If you'd like to support the show, please be sure to leave a five-star review. We're also now on YouTube, so be sure you subscribe over there as well. Links from the show notes below. Without further ado, episode 67 with Mr. David Acosta. So David, I appreciate you coming on the podcast. Um, Before we get into some good stuff, give a quick, brief introduction of who you are. Right on. Thanks, man. Um, So David Acosta, uh, have a 17-year career in law enforcement, uh, retired and now um, travel the country teaching good Americans to be better prepared to defend themselves and their families. Um, Do still train law enforcement. Love the opportunities that I get to do that, but really focusing on the uh, civilian side of the house for now. That's super important as well. A lot of people don't understand that, that there's a lot people can take away from law enforcement officers as it pertains to being prepared for the general public and how to be, you know, better prepared for your family and and take care. Cause I mean, if you think about it, law enforcement officers, you know, operate within uh, the, the confines of, of laws and things like that as, you know, as to where someone else, whether it's, a military-based, you know, kind of company. They they have a different kind of mindset when it comes to being prepared, because um, obviously you you can't just bring a gun to every situation. Not every situation requires a gun, um, and you have to take things into consideration. So, you know, I'm not saying those guys in the military can't provide value because they absolutely do, um, but I think there's a, a very good mixture of law enforcement and military, and you bring that together, you have a you have a very a very good good product and a very good, uh, a good curriculum that could be taught to the, to the general public. But before we go into the more training talk, so David, um, when you were in law enforcement, did you work specialized units, canine, SWAT, anything like that? Yeah, man. So uh, I always wanted to be a cop. Like as a young kid, all I ever wanted to do was be a cop. Uh, my mom says at like the age of five and six, she was giving me regular spankings because I used to tie up my little brother, you know, like saying he was the bad guy, pretending he was handcuffed kind of thing. So it's all I ever wanted to do as a kid. So for me, um, 
you know, that was the, the lifelong dream. So got on the job up in the Northeast in a, a fairly violent city. It's about 20 square miles, about 120,000 people. But the, the, when you look at the numbers from a statistics perspective, looking at the amount of violence that we um, would deal with in that specific area, it was significant, right? Like we generally always uh, top five, top 10 for the FBI's most violent cities in the nation, you know, for its size kind of thing. So all the federal task forces were there. Uh, so I, I really wanted to work there. Um, I didn't want to work in my, my hometown, so to say, if you will, or my home where I grew up because I didn't want to be arresting my cousins. So fair. it went to the next place over, right? Uh, but yeah, man, so uh, did a bunch of specialized stuff after the initial four years in patrol. Um, you know, did the patrol thing like everybody else. Primarily uh, in that regard was set up for like drug and addiction stuff as a DI car. And then uh, got recruits in narcotics, street crime. Did that for a couple of years, uh, predominantly working as a UC. Then spent the next four or five years at the academy, predominantly just teaching. Um, that's about 16 years wrapped up in a, in a hole. I was on a SWAT team, a TAC team, whatever you want to call it. Uh, did that after my first four years on. Got on the team and uh, I ran through the gamut of things that you can kind of do there, the different roles. Uh, as it said, you know, whether it was as an assaulter or a breacher, uh, sniper, assistant team leader, team leader, kind of ran through the gamut of things that we could do that our, uh, you know, our team had available. So that's awesome. That's awesome. And, and for you to teach at the Academy towards the end of your career, I think is, uh, kind of speaks volumes to what the standard should be for an Academy instructor, to be honest with you. Um, I went to the Academy. Uh, even for just like advanced training as a law enforcement officer, you know, you go get your instructor certifications there. At least that's how it is in South Carolina. And you would ask the academy instructors how much time they have in law enforcement. And they'll tell you, well, before I came to the academy, I had like three years. And I'm like, you don't even know <laughs> anything. <laughs> and now you're teaching new cops. Yeah. We see that nowadays where it's like they're trying to get the younger dudes that are super motivated into the academy, hoping that that pushes the young guys. The problem is like, we run into issues with experience. Yeah. And I think there's definitely something to be said about time, right? Like a guy that's got a decade at a very busy location, right? Like doing a lot of work, like that dude could have 20, 30 years worth of experience, right? In that 10 year stint versus someplace that has very little to do. Right. You could spend 30 years there, which would, you know, not even necessarily amount to the work that you would do within a year's time in a busy city. So, yeah, that's, that's actually a really good point. Um, high call volume areas definitely produce a lot more experience than non high call volume areas. Um, and, and that's why you can really never judge a book by its cover. Um, you know, I have very little, I have very little experience in law enforcement time-wise. I have about seven years, but I worked in a very, a very large city, um, in South Carolina. So there was always, there was never a dull moment. Um, right. With that being said, transferring out of law enforcement, having that experience, getting into training, what you could have went and sold insurance, could have went and become a real estate agent, but you didn't. You got a luscious beard, and now you train Americans on how to be more prepared. What was that transition like for you? So training for me was always like just a way of life. I, I was always into martial arts as a kid, and I knew that that kind of would translate directly over when I became a cop. Is like everything I did as a kid was what's what, like my hobbies were all surrounded by what I felt would make me a better, more capable police officer, right. A, a better protector. So, um, you know, martial arts, shooting, all those, those things, everything outdoorsy, uh, you can imagine. But for me, I, I look at, I look back on it. Right. And I remember a lot of the victims, you, you probably relate to the same thing, right? Like a lot of the victims that we went to, what I had realized is that I'd say all of them essentially outsourced their ability to protect themselves. Right. So like they, they essentially volunteered to be a victim by outsourcing uh, their self-reliance as it pertains to self-defense. And they required, uh, you know, somebody else to be able to do that on their behalf. So it was like every time, right. Like there's that cliche statement of, you know, when seconds count, you know, law enforcement's minutes away, which is, there's, there's a degree of truth to that, man. And, uh, it's like, all right, how do I take, how can I take what I've learned, what I've been exposed to my training, my experience, and how can I give that to good Americans 
to make them better prepared to defend themselves, right? To, to defend themselves and others, to bring back that form of, of self-reliance as a populace. Um, you know, like it, the reality is that like, you're going to be your first responder, man. Like you're going to be the first one, your, your home invasion, your robbery, your burglary, your sex assault, you know, whatever that violent crime is, you are going to be the first one there. Simple as that. Like, yeah, I can come and be the baddest dude on the planet. If that was the case, it's not. But if it was, even then you've got to survive until I get there. That's not a great mindset to have. Um, and usually when something like that happens, it's, well, I should have, I should have done this. I should have gotten training. I should have carried a tourniquet. I should have done this, should have done that. It's always should have. Right. And then you have some people have that survivor's guilt. Even they have all kinds of, all kinds of issues. Um, and that's why just being prepared and having that exposure is super important. That's, and that goes straight into law enforcement training too. Like we talk about critical incidents. Well, what's a critical incident to you may, may not be to somebody else, right? It's always, it's all, it's all kind of personal, but what we can also combat the stress of a critical incident is training at a high level, right? Like the first time that, that you get in a fight with somebody should not be in a real fight in a, in a, in a street fight. It should be, you would have been in that position a thousand times prior to getting that street fight. And that's going to greatly increase your chance of a successful outcome. Right. And I think just, just saying it like that. And again, words are cheap, right? Words are, words are talk. It's the actions that is King. It's putting in the time and the effort um, for, you know, students you have, what is the biggest reason or what is, I guess, yeah. What is the biggest reason or what is the main reason why they come and seek training? Is it just because they want to be more prepared or they just, I got a new gun. I don't know what to do. Um, yeah. So what's the biggest reason? I think just the way I, I, I kind of, uh, promote and brand, if you will, I hate using those terms, especially nowadays, but, um, you know, my flavor, if you will, uh, is just, I look at everything through a martial arts lens. Um, right. Like the reason that we're learning to use these tools is to be better prepared to defend ourselves. Like a lot of people think preparedness or, you know, prepper preparedness, they hear those terms, they automatically associate, you know, associate such with like that, that discovery channel show, you know, doomsday preppers kind of thing. And it's like, if we look back, back in the 1800s, like look back at pioneer days and think about what self-defense was to those dudes. Self-defense wasn't simply, right. Like using tools. It wasn't simply how to use a rifle, how to use a pistol. Self-defense was literally your ability to defend yourself from any harm, whether that's, uh, you know, a lack of oxygen, right? Like uh, not being able to regulate your body's core temperature, right? Uh, where's your next meal coming from? Sanitary water, right? Like dehydration, starvation, uh, you know, disease. Um, yeah, like, you know, physical protection against force, whether it was a four-legged creature or a two-legged creature was also a thing, but just self-defense is really your ability to defend yourself from any harm, in my opinion, right? Like whether it's, uh, you know, mental, physical, spiritual, financial, right? Emotional, like whatever it is, most people think self-defense and they think of like, you know, the dude doing Tai Chi in the, you know, park with cherry blossoms in the background. And I think there's more to it than that. I think it's far more nuanced than that. And nowadays in our current, you know, state of time, technology and all that we have, most people hear self-defense and they think only like, you know, a guy in a gi, right? Right. Or a gun. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I try to give people a, a, a deeper understanding of that. I try to push like the true understanding of what self-defense really is, what it really means, the intrinsic worth behind that talk about those things. And then obviously my emphasis of focus is in, you know, it pertains specifically to violence, to fear, to human aggression, uh, the utilization of tools in a self-defense capacity. I was exposed to a lot of violence as a cop. Um, so I've met a lot of victims that were victims of violent crimes in specific. And it's like, man, if this person knew this or knew that, or they had this, or they had that, and they knew how to look for these things like pre-fight, you know, during the fight, post-fight, they would have been far better off. So how can I take those things and give that back to the people that need it? Um, so that's the way I push things. The, generally what happens is the, the crowd that I tend to get are the guys and gals that tend to take it a little more serious, right? Um, if we're talking like in the martial arts world, it's definitely, you know, I would love the cardio kickboxing crowd to come listen. Um, but generally, uh, they're a little dissuaded by the presentation. Yeah, that's okay. No, not necessarily the best business model, but you know, 
I think it's uh, important. Yeah, and breaking through that barrier of of they see it and it just seems really intense for the most part. A lot of people are very turned off by the some somewhat of they think it's intense, right? Yeah. They never experienced either true violence or they've never been a part of a critical incident. So they don't really understand what what intensity really means, right? Like, oh, that's super intense. I would I don't I don't ever want to do that. It's like, yeah, but I mean, for us and for five people listening, when you say intense, it's like, yeah, but I've I've been to like four salts tonight. Like <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's it's it it happens and it and it happens way more frequently than people think. Um, but with that being said, Diving into the, I, first off, I love your definition of self-defense. I would, I would 100% agree um, that, that that's true self-reliance, um, ex, especially getting into the financial, the mental, um, like your family's self-defense and not just the gi or the gun, right? I think that the gi and the gun are great things and obviously they, they hold value and they, and they work for certain situations. Other than that, um, not every situation involves either of those two things. Sometimes sprinting is the best weapon you have. Um, and some people, some people really forget that. I'm like, Hey man, like what's your fitness like? I'm like, yeah. When's the last time you sprinted like 40 yards fast? Never. Okay. Well that's, that's uh, sometimes you're probably going to use that before you use a gun to be honest um, or gi. Um, so with that being said, diving into training modalities and, and your approach to that, with the community being the way it is sometimes, which is a very critical community uh, for the most part, and a lot of people take things out of context because context is important. Some people say, oh, it's not important, but it really truly is, especially when you're looking at a clip or you're looking at a segment of a much larger picture. Um, context is extremely important. So with that being said, you know, obviously there's a, I don't want to use the, the, the term haters because I, yes, there are haters, they exist, but beneficial discussion I think is super important. What is your thoughts on on people addressing other training companies' modalities on Instagram or on on a social media platform, but not really necessarily providing benefit? They're just like my my shit's better than your shit. Um, this is why you should take my shit. I think that approach is super childish and, and and not not good, not really beneficial for the community. What are your thoughts on that? So one of the things I always say when it comes down to context, because uh, I think that absolutely matters, but we live in a, a day, social media wise, where it's just, we, I mean, the internet is awesome because you can learn anything. And the internet is stupid because you can learn anything, <laughs> right? Exactly. Yeah. Good so point. It's good. And it's also you know detrimental at times. So um, I would still leave it as it is, right? I love the uh, the ability. I think as leaders, uh, teachers, trainers, coaches, we have the responsibility to guide, right? And we guide by telling the truth. So what I tell my guys with every class when we start off, one of the things I always talk about is I tell them like, hey, intent is always prior to content, not devoid of context. Okay, I like that. So we see a lot of con- uh, content, right? The content is... Um, you know, what I'm advocating or refuting, right? Advocating for or refuting against, and here's how. So uh, imagine a reload. This is how I, I, the the content is a a video snippet, whatever, reloading, right? I show it, it looks cool, awesome. First thing we need to do is when I make that or we see that as the consumer, we have to ask ourselves, why is this dude, like, why is this content here? What's the intent behind this? Is it to sell a product? Is it to promote a product? Is it just a passion project with the intent of just giving free information to make people better? Like what is the intent? Maybe it could be all three of those. Um, It could be several, right? Um, So I always ask, I always tell people to ask like my people that I think I'm responsible for as a guide, as a mentor, as a leader, as a coach, as an instructor, whatever term you want to use. I always say, think about the intent behind the content that you're watching, right? So the next thing is, Intent is always prior to content, not devoid of context. Context is a thing. It does matter. It, it does matter. It really does. So when we, the way I look at it is content is literally nothing more than the what and the how, right? What I'm refuting or what I'm advocating for and how so. The intent is always going to be the why. 
right? And then the context is who this applies to, when it applies to them, and where it applies. Because when we start changing the who, the where, and the when, the content may not make sense for a specific person at a, at a specific time in a specific place doing a specific thing. So I think it's important that we look at those things. Now, having said that, right, and we have an understanding of what those things are and the definitions, I think words matter. Um, we can start looking at it and saying, okay, like when we start seeing content as, and I think there's there's a way of going about it, right? Like um, as, a, as a Christian, um, looks a guy that looks at the world with a biblical worldview one of the things i look at is like hey i have if, if i'm a shepherd so to say if i'm a leader in a specific thing it's my job to kind of guard my guys to guard those sheep guard the flock if you will and provide them with what i think right looks like right and i think a lot of people are trying to do that in their own respective ways for instance when i was teaching at the academy right like guys that have access to youtube and bluetube and all these other things and they're like hey i saw this you know thing like what do you think about this it's like, no, <laughs> right? Like that is, that is not a thing. I want you to pretend you never saw that. Okay. Um, so there's things like that, right? There's ways to do that. Um, when you have a public platform, I think you, you, you should have an understanding that you are absolutely uh, subject to scrutiny. Familiar. <laughs> as, as, even as a, uh, as a cop, right? Like we are, we are public, or, you know, we are, we can be scrutinized by the public. Um, we are a public figure, right? Like they have the right to question um, and we have the responsibility to answer in my opinion. So I agree. And that's, that's, this is why we're having this conversation, um, it, you know, is to, is to help educate. I think that's, I, that's important. I think that there is a way from instructor to instructor or company to company. There is ways to make, to help elevate and make the community better and to, and, and to keep, pushing the standard of, of better and higher level training. I think there's a, a, a tactful way to do so. Um, I think some, some individuals lack the ability to communicate properly. Now they may be highly intelligent, highly experienced, highly educated, but the way to communicate that, that to where it actually provides value and it doesn't kind of come off as fucking my dick is massive. Um, it is, can be tough for some, um, and I don't really comment on other people's stuff. Uh, I, I I look at it a lot, and my team's the same way, right? We have almost 28, 29 people on the team. We don't, we're not here to start drama. We're here to help provide a better resource, provide training. Same thing, exactly what you're doing is you can learn from everybody. Um, but I, I wish there was a way to to make the communication better because there are a lot of guys with a lot of experience and they just talk and it's just talking and it's it's not it's not tangible it's not beneficial and that can be very frustrating and 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 two and I do applaud you for saying what you said because I I I think there are a lot of guys that are out there that are trying to take that leadership role that mentorship role to to you know to help guide because um, I have I have multiple mentors that I look up to um, and they play a major role, uh, in my life. And, and I would say the success, um, of what we're doing here. Right. And I, I don't undervalue a good mentor and a good, don't be like, I'm going to do it on my own. Oh, that's fine. You could, you could try, but it's always, it's always good to have that guidance because somebody's probably made that mistake before and they've overcome it somehow. And maybe you can learn, a, you know, learn a lesson from them. So again, I do applaud you for saying, for saying that there are also a lot of guys out there pretending to be leaders and pretending to have guidance and pretending to care. Um, and those guys are, are, you know, sad, uh, and, and frankly pathetic because they use, uh, people's vulnerability to, to sell and to potentially make money. And that's, uh, and that's just not, you gotta, you gotta live with that. The Be Effective podcast is brought to you by Effective Fitness Training. EFT is a performance driven fitness program designed to improve individual performance. Created by our team of physical therapists, strength conditioning coaches, nutrition specialists, and a team of active and former law enforcement with over 100 years combined experience, EFT is developed for those who want the most comprehensive fitness plan available. Use promo code PODCAST at checkout for 10% off the life of your membership. It's not difficult to broadcast the, you know, the truth, right? Like to, to speak the truth, number one. And the truth always 
right? When people hear the truth, like the, like the real truth, the way I see it is just like a guiding light in darkness. People will hear it, they will see it, and they'll be drawn to it. Like it's not hard to see Fugazi stuff in contrast of the real thing and realize which is real, which is not. Um, the problem is like with, again, with social media, it's very easy for dudes to edit this or show one run or show this or show that and make, they only show the best version of themselves. You know, some of it's doctored, some of it's sped up or slowed down to try to mask uh, inefficiencies. Um, so that definitely exists. And, you know, that's where the money comes into play and people want to make more money, right? They want bigger exposure, more this, more that. They're just trying to translate their business into currency, their, their content, so to say, into currency. Um, and when that becomes the primary focus, you know, we run into issues because now the training space, uh, now we have, we have lies, right? We have things that are being taught that aren't necessarily the way to do it. Um, and there is absolutely a, a way, right? Like there's multiple ways and then there's the way, um, and the way may be different for this guy versus this guy. Um, when we start adding context, but when we look at things from a principle perspective, like principally speaking, you know, depending on what we're talking about, like there's specific principles that we're trying to like that haven't changed that we're trying to consistently um, achieve. What changes based on who, where, when technology facts, circumstances in a given scenario are how we achieve those principles. And maybe we have to change specific techniques, tech, you know, specific tactics or procedures to accomplish those overarching principles. So I think if we stick with the principles and we look at things from that perspective and teach things from that perspective, then when the question comes about, well, what if I'm running this or this or that or, you know, whatever, when we start getting very specific, we can start, you know, saying, yes, now we'll just go this way or that way. We can start making very specific uh, adaptations to accomplish those things. And that's super important. The adaptation part, you know, like we talk, we talk at EFC about, about routes, about having different routes for law enforcement officers. Cause we get the, well, what if, what if, what if the, what ifs are okay. I'm, I'm totally cool. With people asking the, what ifs, um, but having that solid foundation and building that structure, building that base is extremely important. And then on top of that, we can then start to what if and get into the fine, the finer details of, of, of training a particular discipline, right? Whether that be firearms, jujitsu, grappling, weapons-based stuff, whatever the case may be, it doesn't really matter. But just like you said, and I think that as we grow as a community, you know, that conversation piece and understanding that that those principles and concepts are all in play is going to allow for for a much better and more advanced, a better prepared person. Um, and that's and that should be the goal. All business aside, uh, morally, your job should be to provide value. Um, and money is just exchange, like as as a trade for that value, right? And that's and that's morally okay, right? Because that's, 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 that's what we society have deemed to be morally okay, right? So, but again, what's your, what you're paying for, what people are investing their, their time more importantly than their money. Um, that's, that's kind of my thing is I always tell people I'm like, Hey, the money comes and goes, you can make more money. Your agency will get more money the next, the next fiscal year. Make sure you're investing your time and that time, like spend the time vetting what you're doing and vetting who you're going to and then be able to say, okay, I'm going to spend 40 hours with this one person and spend this much money um, to hopefully provide more value to, you you know, to that person. Um, and, and to like, I've been to classes, man, where I've, I've literally felt cheated. I'll, I'll leave and go, man, I spent 20 hours here and I, I literally took away like two things. Um, now, granted, those two things may have been, may have been great but could I have attended a different class and have taken away eight different things as opposed to two for the same price or maybe even cheaper? Um, again, I think you hit the nail on the head with, with the marketing side of things. A lot of these training companies, you know, eventually become marketing companies. Um, I'll give you an example, supplement companies, any take any supplement company in the world and they are a marketing company. Supplements are really all the fucking same and you don't necessarily need very many of them, but yet they have 2000 products to choose from creatine, maybe protein and vitamin D three. If you fucking don't have sunlight, like magnesium to help you sleep. That's, that's those and 
caffeine. Yeah. <laughs> but here we are saying, but they'll tell you, you need all this stuff to make you look like this, to be more prepared, to make you stronger, to make you faster, to make it whatever. And that's, that's not always the case, right? It's just their mission has become to make money because they have overhead and which is again, understandable that is business. But when it comes to the training side of things, life or death, um, training needs to be taken seriously and it's, it shouldn't be a marketing ploy. So that being said, how, how do you think someone should go vetting instructors or vetting a particular company? Excuse me. Yeah, I think it's important, right? That's an important process. And nowadays it's so, it can become difficult, right? Because it's very easy to fluff a resume, right? Especially in the law enforcement world. We know like, we see that all the time. Look, I went to this class. I'm certified in these. these, 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 these. Look at all these certifications I have. And it's like, that is such a joke. Um, you know, guys, the guys ask me for a bio. And it's like, I don't even like, I don't start class with bios. I don't talk about resume. Like I don't, it, it's difficult, man, because on the law enforcement side, we've definitely seen how that gets fluffed. I have no military experience. So I don't know how that works on the mill side. Like, I don't know if it's the same thing. I have no clue. Um, but what I have learned is simply this people hear a title, like I was this thing, whether, you know, in the law enforcement world, we generally hear like the, the SWAT title or the tech team title. It's like that all be, like they are now a tactical God, little G right. Um, or on the mill side, we hear a guy say he was special this or special that. And, uh, you know, auto automatically that dude is assumed, right the presupposition is that that dude is a tactical God, little G. And, um, well, we've seen where, you know, right? Like I've gone to classes that by, by guys that have had really cool titles. And I was like, wow, I would never do that class ever again. Like it wasn't even just the money. Like that was a total waste of my time. I can always make more money. I can't make more time. So, um, or they taught stuff that just absolutely like, there's like what you taught, does not apply to me, my world in any way, shape or form. Like I can't do those things. I wouldn't do those things. I don't have 12 guys with me. Um, so like, I think that's important. So it's tough to like the whole vet your instructors thing that could be difficult because if you don't know, if you don't have an understanding of where, what they're saying comes from, right? Like for the civilian, they hear guy was at the, you know, he was a, he was the chief of police and he was on a SWAT team. 20 years in podunk, whatever, right? Dude has zero experience, has a bunch of titles, right? A bunch of official certificates. Like, can he, like, can he give you the information that you need? Can he present it? Is he articulate, right? Um, can he actually do the very things he's telling you you should be able to do? I just like basic leadership qualities. Um, are there references? Are they able to provide references? You know, little things like that. Um, who are they associated with? Who are they affiliated with in the industry? Right. Um, I think all those little things are, it's becoming more difficult nowadays with tech and, you know, the water, watered down stuff that we're seeing as far as law enforcement credentials. Um, you know, again, I can't speak on the mill side, but on the law enforcement side, it, it's difficult. I think you really need to go at, like, go to their, go to their channels, go to their stuff, go see what they have. Don't look at one video talk to them on the phone. Like I, I provide my number <laughs> on my website, you know, any questions ask. I actually have people call and ask like, Hey, I saw you have your number on there. It's like, yeah, this is my personal cell phone. It's like, Oh, okay, cool. Uh, so I want to take this class and you know, it's not me taking time to sell a course, but it's me giving them an understanding of what you can expect. Here's the way I teach it. Here's why I teach it that way. What questions do you have? And here's what we're going to cover. Um, and I think just basic leadership, man, like can the dude get like just leadership one-on-one am I, is what I'm seeing in front of me, this guy or gal, whoever it is, is this coach, instructor, mentor, are they capable of articulating the information that I need? Number one, do I understand what they're saying? Are they clear? Are they concise? Number one, next thing, do they even look the part? Like right? if the dude looks like he's probably like the toughest thing he does all day is get out of bed. That's pro that there may be a problem depending on what he's trying to teach me. Um, so little things like that. And then can he actually do it like on, on game day? You know, some of it, I think requires actually having to take a class, but that's where I think, you know, the responsibility of the student is also like, if, if you got, if you took, if you took a class and it was good and the information was right, 
like put that out there. And if it sucked, absolutely put that out there. This guy promoted himself as being able to do all this stuff. When I took the class, he couldn't do any of those things. Like that needs to be publicized. You brought up a really good point about the, about the time. Um, and that's, that's the thing about the inflated, the, the inflated resumes. Um, if you're honest with people, people will probably come back to receive more training. If what you're providing to them is beneficial and they, and they see, you know, and they see value in that. Um, thank you for that because I, I think many people have, have a different definition of vetting. They're like, Oh, I'm going to look up and look at a resume. Yeah. Right. We already discussed what that can, what that can provide. I like to personally talk to, talk to other people that have attended a course, people that I trust, people that have a higher level of training and say, Hey, what are your thoughts on this guy? What are your thoughts on this? Um, and most of the time, if they've attended, they give you pretty good feedback. Um, again, as it pertains to the military side, I, I was never in the military either, but I have spoken, uh, with multiple high level military guys, seals, Delta, you name it, uh, like the highest of the highest. And, and they, they will tell you the same thing. Um, very, a very similar approach to marketing. Um, some of those guys claim to be quiet professionals, yet they are not very quiet. Um, and that goes for the law enforcement side too. Right. Um, and again, you can be a quiet professional and also have a successful business. You don't have to, you don't have to write a book, uh, whether you're a cop or, or, or on like the, you know, special forces side, you can still, you can still do that. Cause there are plenty of them, plenty of them out there. Um, after you attend a class, do you feel like it is your responsibility to tell your, your circle of your experience with that class? Or do you feel like, Hey man, it's a good class. You should, you know, go ahead and kind of check it out for yourself. Cause I've had guys say, I didn't like the class, but you may like it. Um, and I, I, I think for the time of, of, uh, or for the sake of money and time, um, I feel, I always feel obligated when I attend training to be very vocal about that. I, I think we all have our, our circle, right? Our circle of, of dudes, right? Like our, our tribe, our family, our friends, um, and I think it's important, like for the, for the training side, um, I've always, if I've ever taken a good class and I was like, Hey, I recommend this class. Like I definitely hit up my guys. I'm like, Hey, this was a good one. Like re- we all have our threads. I believe like, Hey guys, we're like-minded. You guys are training too. go train like this class. Absolutely worth the time. Absolutely worth the money. Like money, well-spent time, well-spent go do that. Right. Um, and then there's other times it's like, mm, it wasn't for me. And here's why I think it's art- important to articulate why. Um, everybody has their subconscious bias, right? Like as a martial arts dude, um, you can definitely relate to this, right? Like the martial artists, they gravitate towards their style, if you will, their system, right? Like the grappler loves grappling. The striker loves striking. The blade guy loves blade stuff. The gun guy loves gun stuff. I look at martial arts through like the perspective of, of, of a mixed modal system, right? An open system, um, whatever works like very, uh, you know, and this comes directly out of my, uh, influence as a young guy, uh, being introduced to JKD concepts, Jeet Kune Do concepts, Bruce Lee's, uh, martial art, like discard what's, what's, what's not useful and absorb and use and adapt whatever is right. Um, I look at the world kind of through that, that lens, that prism, especially when it comes like to gun stuff, like gun stuff, blade stuff, carving stuff, like it's just all, it's all based on ranges, right? Like, I look at it from that perspective and I say, okay, was this useful for this specific thing? If I took a ground, a, a class that emphasized focus on groundwork or groundwork and um, stand-up grappling. Okay, cool. That's what it was. I take it for what it is. And I, I say, okay, that makes sense based on the context that they provided. Because sometimes people look at things with a limited scope of understanding. They're like, hey, um, I'm a ground guy. I'm a black belt in BJJ and I'm uh, you know, whatever judo, right? So it's like, that's their thing. That's their shtick. So everything they do is generally from that lens, right? Like they look at the different problems that they may face in an encounter through that lens. I understand that. Like, like the, the you know, the jujitsu guy looks at blade stuff from a jujitsu perspective, right? The blade guy looks at ground fighting from a blade perspective. The gun guy looks at all fighting from a gun perspective. Um, the Muay Thai guy looks at every fight from a Muay Thai perspective. So what happens is these little subconscious biases affect the way we view things when it comes to, you know, similar things, you know, 
I think gun stuff, tactic stuff, fighting stuff, it all comes down to a martial arts perspective. Um, so when I talk to my guys, it's like, hey, if I'm telling them like this doesn't make sense or I like this or I didn't like that, I try to provide them with the context with which I'm saying this is where I think this applies for me and my system or this is why it does. Yeah, and that's actually a really good point that you made about understanding um, the context, but not only that, but like knowing what to expect. Like if you go to a class and and it's a underwater basket weaving class and you attend and they're and they teach you underwater basket weaving, but you get done, you're like, man, I really wanted to learn above water basket weaving. Well, it wasn't an above water basket weaving class. So don't expect them to cover that in an underwater basket weaving class. Right. So, so you have to, just like you said, take it for what it is. And I think that's a really good point when you talk about the blade guy, the martial arts guy, like the strictly martial arts guy, and then the gun guy, Jay always talks about this. There's, there is that separation, even in law enforcement where the DT guy is separated from the gun guy. Cause the gun guy always think the gun solved the problem with the DT guy. Always think, but that's not, that's not how it works at all. Right. And Jay always talks about, he goes, jujitsu is not a fight. Boxing is not a fight. Uh, judo is not a fight. They're not fighting. They're sports, right? They, they are all limited to a, a rule set, right? Mixed martial arts is probably the closest thing that we have to actual street fighting because there, there are, are very little rules, if any at all, right? Um, obviously, some organizations have, have certain rules that they can and cannot do. But the integration of all of those with weapon systems really, really is 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 the key there, right? And so we have to, as as someone who wants to be proficient with self defense, uh, as it pertains to like great bodily harm or 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 death in that sense, you have to be well rounded. We you have to take everything into perspective and understand that jujitsu may not be the answer. The gun may not be the answer. The knife may not be the answer. Running away may not be the answer, right? So, so having that having that toolbox, um, and just like just like we talked about kind of earlier on, having those options, having those routes in which you can then pull from to become successful and hopefully survive. Uh, you know, that's always sometimes you can do everything right. I know Bob Keller. Uh, Bob's a former Delta guy. He. He, he told me the day one of his class, like we were teaching, he was teaching, uh, he's just a shit ton of ready up drills, basically. Um, he goes, oh, this will keep you alive. He's like, this is, this is, this, this, this right here will keep you alive. Getting your gun up as fast as you can on target with a good trigger squeeze. And this is, this will keep you alive, which makes sense. And, uh, but he says, I've seen guys do everything right. And still get shot in the face. Everything right. And that's, and that's, that's just a reality, but you, you, you have to prepare. You have to prepare. You have to give yourself a chance with legitimate training and it's it can be frustrating i'd like to know how you feel when you see like the mcdojo life stuff and it's just man people when i see a room full of people and i'm thinking people pay for this they're investing their time with 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 this just trash it's frustrating sometimes it can be like uh you know as someone who takes like self-defense serious who takes martial arts serious um it, that stuff is definitely frustrating, but it's like one of those things where it's like, you know, I can only control what I can control. Um, what do I have control over? What I have control over is the people that I have uh, exposure to, the people that I can reach. Um, and how do I do that in a form fashion that doesn't make it look like I'm telling them to check out my restaurant as opposed to checking out somebody else's, right? Like, yeah. you know, obviously I want to, I think we can speak the truth and I can, you know, I, that's all I can do. All I can do is speak the truth. Uh, you can lead a horse to water, you know, you can't make them drink it nowadays with all the, the fanboy and girlism, it's, it's difficult, especially in this space. Like guys here, you know, you have a title next to your name or you used to do this special thing in this place, you know, at this time, it's like automatically it's, you know, so I don't know. That's a tough one, man. Like I literally, I don't let it bother me. I just speak the truth and that's it. People ask for business advice all the time. Um, and I may... I probably need to do a few podcasts on this. I've had some entrepreneurs on there like yourself. And the best thing you can do for you and your business is to focus on you and your business. Don't, don't, don't focus on what others are doing unless it's to help benefit you, unless it's, unless you're there to learn something. But if your job is to, is to bash other people and that's, and that's your business model, that's subpar. That is, 
You don't run a race looking to your left and right. Yeah, that that will that will get you nowhere. Um, it it may get you to a certain point, but at some at some point in time, it will it will you will you will fucking plateau, and it it can be very frustrating as to why am I plateauing because I suffered that before. I've had people. I have. I currently have people copying even verbatim words, post font approach to what we're doing. Uh, and I used to bother me. I used to call my attorney. Hey, can I send him cease and desist? Can I do this? And then I start going, why the, f-? with all the time I've spent worrying, I could have developed more programs, provided more resources and done so much more better for the community and stayed on my mission. Having a mission statement, having core values and beliefs is, is, is huge. And if you don't establish those early on in your business, if you don't have those, I highly suggest that you develop those and then that'll help you stay on track and make sure you hire and fire based off of those mission and those core values. Because if they don't align with somebody and David, you know this, if, if your core values don't align with somebody else's, it will not work. No, absolutely will not. Absolutely will not work because fundamentally we disagree from a moral perspective. That means morale, like from a moral perspective, what I think is right and what I think is wrong. If we don't agree on those things, then how can we ever come to terms Right, like how, how do we define terms? How do we say like, hey, this is like this is our left and right limit. Here's the floor, here's the ceiling. Like without that, you know, that's all based on the fact that you and I, right, we agree fundamentally on these same things. So I know you're not gonna do this to hurt me, and I you know I'm not gonna do that to hurt you because we agree on these things. Yeah. No, I agree. And and two, one thing that can be difficult for some is to be happy for others that are in the same space that are doing very well for themselves. Um that is also that is also very difficult for some people to grasp. But if your mission is the same as their mission and that mission is getting accomplished, then you should either one, be happy for them, two, find a way to work together to enhance that mission. Two, because if if your mission is to affect change, money will come. And that's you know, and that's one thing that that I've had to learn over the years is is it's fine. But if you stay mission driven and your purpose is to provide the best resource possible and to make people more prepared. You're going to have a lot more people want to train with you. A lot more people be more prepared, right? And it, that's your goal. That is that is the best marketing right there. That is that is that is proof. I agree, man. It's not some fancy video with some filter on it with some hype music in the background or anything like that. It's not like you know, look at me in the you know has been uniform. That's great, and everybody thanks you for every every service that you've ever done. But at the same time, is what are you doing now? Uh, what kind of person are you, um, and how are you treating others in your same environment? Yeah, I think that place of you know being discontent leads people to start thinking about what they don't have, right, and what everybody else does. It's like, dude, that's a waste of time. That's a waste of energy. Like you could spend that time and that energy being content with what you do have, right? Even if you do think it's it's a little, right? For me, that's that's too easy. Like I don't I don't deserve what I do have. Like what I have, I don't deserve. And because of that, like, how can I be discontent? Uh, you know, so for me, just focus on on what I have control over. I know where the, the finish line is and I'm just staring ahead. I don't have time to look left and right and behind me. That's very well put. Um, so David, on a different note, change subjects here. What, first off, what is the name of your company? Uh, Allegiance Defense Solutions. Legion's Defense Solutions. And guys, I'll have all his information in the show notes below so you can definitely check it out. Follow his page, take a course. So what so what do you teach? So what do you so what kind of courses do you offer? Um, what kind of people can attend, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, so I've been teaching everything from like an EDC low pro perspective, right? Like the vast majority of my law enforcement career was spent not in in a uniform. Um, and I think that that directly translates to civilians more so. Uh, than anything else, right? Um, the undercover work I, that he has a huge play on on the way I teach things, right? Especially on the self defense side, man. Like when I was doing UC work, anything worth doing, right? Like even nowadays, like I hear guys talk about they worked undercover, and it's like buying a bag of you know five dollar bag of weed from some random street corner is not undercover work, man. Like picking up a prostitute in a car is not undercover work in my opinion, not where I come from, but nonetheless, anyway, um, I teach it from that perspective. And, and the reason for that is because when I learned what I learned very quickly is number one, it was very different, right? Like 
as cops, we're always taught, you know, you're, you got your buddy, your partner, right? Your shotgun dude. So everybody, you, you, you can always rely on the radio. You can always, like, help is always coming, right? Like, when you're doing real UC work, like, nobody's coming. Like, it's just you, right? So I learned really quickly that um, I was often outnumbered, if not always outnumbered. Um, and I didn't have the ability to rely on a partner. I didn't have the re- ability to rely on backup. Uh, it was just me, what I brought with me and my individual capabilities, right? Whatever hardware and software, you know, my skill set, so to say. Um, the next thing I learned is um, everyone is armed, period, right? Like everyone, anytime I was doing something worth doing, like a real, right, a real job, a real buy, so to say, where this is going to get people put away for a long time kind of thing. Dudes always brought tools, like always brought guns, knives, and they always brought friends that brought the same, right? So I was always outnumbered. Dudes always brought tools. And on top of that, these dudes have been, they've been doing very violent stuff since they were in their teens, shooting, stabbing, you name it, right? Like they've been doing this since very early on. So they have a relationship, uh, you know, with violence, so to say, that I don't from a moral perspective, which means they're willing to send it like that, um, where I'm abiding by specific moral laws and principles, so for me, it's like, all right, that's what civilians need. Civilians need that mindset, that mentality, that concept, like contextually, they need it taught from that perspective uh, because they, they, they can't stack up, squeeze up, you know, call on a radio for bat. They can't do any of those things. Um, it's just them. So I teach it all from that perspective. That's why I call everything EDC. Like I have a, a pistol course, EDC pistol. I have a carbine course, EDC carbine. And even that guys are like EDC, everyday carry carbine. It's like, there are very specialty nuanced setups, right? Like some of which don't apply to specific people. So this is what I think right looks like in relation to running a carbine and then running it from a low pro perspective, uh, whether I'm, you know, whatever, irrespective of the, the context as far as uh, the why. Uh, here's principally speaking how we do this and that. This is what just what makes sense. Shooting is just shooting. Um, and here's what's appropriate for that looking at it from like, hey, it's just you perspective. And then I run a, a mixed modal combatives course called MMC, EDC, MMC. The mixed modal combatives course is, again, it's like broad spectrum. Here's what violence is. Here's what a fight looks like. Um, if I only had you for a day or two days, right? What am I going to give you within that short amount of time that's going to make you the most capable version of yourself, if that's all I have, right? Like I don't have, I don't, I may not have this student for the next two years at a dojo, so to say, right? I'm not going to have you on the match for this long, right? So if you're like, Hey man, like I may be fighting the fight of my life in two days from now against multiple dudes that are armed. What do I need to do? That's the perspective that I teach it from. Um, so that's the mixed modal combatives course. And then I run a, a new course that I just recently launched that I, I kind of struggled with because I wasn't sure with, I wasn't sure exactly how I wanted to kind of promote it or market it. Um, and it's a air quotes here, CQB course, if you will. Right. Because that's what the, that's what marketing wise, that's all civilians understand is like, so CQB basically, right? Like if you're moving inside of a structure with tools, it's like, oh my goodness. Yeah. So I look at it from a singleton based approach, right? Um, as a, as like home invasion, you're by yourself. Maybe you have family. Not necessarily. Two, active shooter, active threat. You're by yourself, right? So I teach all the movement, the decision-making, the weapons handling, all that is taught from a singleton-based approach and perspective. You're not running, you know, dual tubes in, in, a, in a helmet and in plate carriers. And like, I just, I'm not, I'm, all, I'm not saying I'm against those things. I'm all for uh, civilians learning and knowing that stuff. But let's be honest, like a lot of that, or I should say all of that is geared towards an offensive posture, um, which is, you know, that is the best defense, but I think contextually we need to see what makes sense for them. And here's the thing, like there's, there's a degree of LARPing that is this America. You should be able to LARP. 100%. You want to do that? Like, Hey, like do it, go for it, buy all the gadgets, go to all the classes. I, I really don't mind. I'm not the dude that's like civilians shouldn't know that. I don't think that at all. I think the exact opposite. However, if you only have so much time and so much money, I want you to, I want to forefront what you need to know at a bare, like if I was going to teach my, my family member, let's, let's say Adam, you're like, Hey man, 
I need you to teach my wife in, in one day, like I'm going to be gone for the next month. I need her to know, Hey, in an eight hour day, everything she needs to know about how to defend herself in a home invasion, multiple dudes with guns. It's like, all right, cool. That's the perspective that I'm teaching it from. And then if you have extra time and money and resources and you want to go jump in and do cool four man CQB points of domination stuff, like by all means, go do that. Like go do that. But let's forefront what, you know, practical and probable as opposed to possible. Yes. Priority. Priority. I, I see it all the time and I, I do make fun of it. Uh, even from, even from cops. I don't get good training. I don't have time to do this as they drive their $75,000 fucking pickup or their $100,000 pickup with their $1,400 a month car payment. Um, and I'm like, cool. So you can't afford jujitsu for 50 bucks a month. Like you can't afford to take a class twice a year. Can't afford to do things. And then you see guys again, I'm, I a hundred percent agree with you. I'm all for guys buying tubes and helmets and, and high speed ear pro and comms and, and, buying whatever they want to buy. That's fine. But the reality of it is, is are you prepared to use that stuff in a normal type setting um, where you can't throw on your kit during a home invasion and you can't put on your helmet and make sure your NVGs are focused and you're probably going to be in your fucking underwear with your pistol and maybe a flashlight. And that's about it. Yeah. At least for the most part, because you're going to be worrying about your, if you have a family, you can be worried about getting to your kids, you know, make sure your wife's protected. You're not going to be like, let me strap on my cry real quick and, and start running up the stairs. Um, you know, it, 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 it can be frustrating because you have people spending a lot of money and there's a lot of good companies out there that are marketing certain things. Like at least from my perspective, nothing in the special operations community as it pertains to the military, like what they did, maybe the, like the room clearing side and like the, the quote unquote CQB side and like the trigger pulling side. Sure. That, that I could see could be beneficial Anything other than that, I, I don't I don't have air support. I don't I'm not I'm not planning a mission. I'm probably waking up half awake at three o'clock in the morning, right, to a bump, right? And that's and and that's that. Same thing with the law enforcement side. Like again, you're gonna be responding as a normal person, probably in your boxers with no shirt on, however you sleep. Um, you're gonna grab whatever the fuck you can. Hoping that the batteries in your and your weapon light have been you've actually been PMing them and and they work. Um with that being said, like I, I always say, please invest in what is useful. Don't invest in someone's like, hey, pay for my Patreon, pay for my this, that, and the other. Like, how's your fitness? Are you are you actually eating enough protein throughout the day? Are you drinking enough water? Are you getting enough sleep? Have you prioritized your family? Have you prioritized your finances? Have you prioritized your hands-on capabilities, your ability to sprint? Like a lot of these things aren't that expensive and you do them every day, but they'll spend $600 on a fucking rifle mount that doesn't really do anything, just sit in their fucking safe. And then they, they take it to the range. Like you don't, you don't need a $600 rifle mount on a $4,000 fucking carbine. You don't, you don't, you don't need that to be, to be proficient. Um, and again, if you want to have really good tools, invest in really good tools, but you don't need 15 fucking rifles. Like you can, because it's America, but me, I have two. I have two rifles and think four or five pistols and some other things that, you know, I decide not to, not to tell certain people. Um, but it is what it is, you know, and it's just, it's just, it's just, you know, kind of one of those things where you don't need a lot. Yeah. You just need to be proficient with what you have, I think is at least my take on it. Yeah. I always emphasize software over hardware. 10 out of 10, bro. Uh, number one, like software over hardware, right? If you, if you have the right amount of software, you're, you could be like MacGyver, man, and you can make things work with, you know, with less. I always emphasize that first and foremost. And this is where I think like there's a responsibility that leaders in the community have um, to, to kind of put context right uh, into play and, and, and provide a degree of perspective. Because the reality is like a lot of companies and a lot of influencers uh, sell entertainment um, to make a buck. And they take advantage of the ignorance, um, you know, that people are like, hey, man, like, I want to learn how to defend myself and my family. All right, cool. Let me sell you this really cool product. And then come to this class for four hours. And you'll listen to me talk about, you know, stories for the first hour and the last hour. And then we'll have an hour lunch. And oh, yeah, by the way, like when you come around a corner, this is how, you know what I mean? Like you can get like, 
I don't want to get into the specifics of it, but you know what I mean, man. Like it's very easy for dudes to get taken advantage of. And it, it, it really does frustrate me. And that's where it's like, I think leaders in the community have a responsibility to provide an understanding of like, what is like, Hey people, like, I know you don't know enough about what you don't know to make sense of what you're seeing, but here's how we do that. And I think you can do that just by being blunt, being honest. I'm not necessarily saying you have to name a specific person, uh, place or thing, but I think you do need to just say like, Hey, this is how this is. This is how this makes sense. This is how this makes sense. This is the most efficient way to do this. And this is why. And just speak the truth. And that's, and that's huge. Um, I was actually trying to pull up a conversation I had with a cop. Uh, he, he attended a, uh, like an officer apprehension type course, uh, like a jujitsu based type law enforcement course with a unnamed instructor. And, um, he told me, he was like, Hey, like I plan on coming to, you know, to the EFC course. I was like, cool, man. Great. You know, whatever do your thing. And so he goes, well, you know, let me attend this course and I'll give you some feedback. I'm like, whatever, man. Um, you know, is what it is. He texted me the, the, the day that the course was over and goes, dude, people pay for this. He goes, it was a eight hour course. He goes, maybe an hour of actual reps. He goes, most of the time it was him talking or her talking and just talking, 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 and it just didn't make sense. And the fact that he charges similar price, he's like, I felt like I could have got more of just my hour jujitsu class that I normally go to. And I'm like, man, that's, that's super frustrating. I'm sorry you had to experience that. Um, because I've been there um, and I've, I've wasted eight hours of my day. Basically, any law enforcement in service is basically a waste of your day anyways. But, but <laughs> you know how yeah, it is. Most of the time you're sitting the fuck around waiting for somebody to recall 15 fucking times so you can leave. Um, but the fact of the matter is, is those guys do exist. But the best way to combat that is, is to stay focused and to just be the best resource you can. And, and that's, that's what people like you are doing. And, and two, I do want to add another side note is I, I see in your stories, you're making some pokey stabby things. Yeah. Can you talk about that? Yeah. Uh, the push on that is like, so obviously I, I trained blade stuff. I got introduced to Filipino martial arts as a, as a young kid, uh, at the age of 14. Um, I've been, you know, dabbling with that for, for a while now. Uh, Always had an interest in blades as a kid, like just always. It's just, you know, it's a boy thing, right? I love knives too. So um, I got my eight-year-old and uh, he's like, daddy, we should make, we should make a blade. So I was apprenticing under a, a guy back when I was, um, before I moved here to Texas, uh, a pro, uh, apprenticing with a gentleman by the name of uh, John Demko, who was basically teaching me how to make blades back then. And uh, my little guy's like, hey, daddy, I want to make a knife. So I'm like, why would we not do that? So let's do that. Speaking with one of, uh, of my friends and mentors, Bill Rapier, uh, I also teach for his company, Amtax Shooting. And uh, Bill has a, a blade line, obviously. Um, he had he was at the house, uh, I want to say like a year ago, and I had a, a design that was out, just a drawing that I had sketched out. He's like, dude, you should make that. And I'm like, yeah, you don't, you don't think it'd be any issues or, you know, kind of like, like probing uh, thereafter after he said that. And uh, he's like, yeah, dude, you should go ahead and make it. So, um, between that and my little guy saying like, Hey, let's make blades. Uh, I'm like, why not? So, yeah. Um, looks cool. You know, I like it. Asked, Small. asked a few guys that I represent. Oh, that's, so that's little guy's blade. The little one that you saw in the, uh, most recently, my, my son literally drew it on a piece of paper. I cut it out, transferred it to a piece of wood, cut it out, made some modifications and then did it on steel. So it's nothing that I'm necessarily going to make with the intent of selling that one's yeah. just his super cool though, man. I love it. But yeah, I have some stuff that I'm working on with the intent of coming out for, for actual sale and use. I'd be, I'd be interested. I, I love knives. Um, I love how they're made. I, I, I love the process, uh, heating of the steel, the, the chemical treatments, the, the, I, I, I don't know anything about knives. I just love like when you, when you hold, a. a custom made hand forged blade it's just something that just it's just a, a very unique piece and it's in its art uh capable of 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 absolute violence which is uh which is kind of a beautiful slash scary thing at the same time well i mean if we look back in time right like we go back ten thousand years ago like 
cutting tools, a cutting tool has always been the number one survival tool. Like we talked about self-defense before, right? Like cutting tools, knives, blades, right? Specifically are the most difficult to fashion off the landscape. It's also the one tool that will help you get everything else you need, right? Making containers, making clothing, making shelters, processing meat, right? Protecting yourself from uh, creatures like, so predators, whether it's four-legged or two-legged. So like cutting tools, I think it's just, it's a primitive thing that we're tied to. It's just like, it's like sitting there watching a, a, a real fire. Right, like you, an outdoor campfire. There's nothing like it. There's just something primitive about it. I don't know what it is, but just seeing the flames dance over the logs and you know making, especially like when you make it by yourself. Like when you start doing it in like primitive fire building, like it just changes. You have a a greater you know degree of appreciation for it. And you know, I think when we look at things again, principles based approach, like it's just a cutting tool. Like what I do with it is, you know, that's that's on me. That's my intent as the end user. It's not good. It's not bad. It's whatever I want it to be, whatever I use it. It's just an extension of my mind, if you will. So I think there's a, there's definitely a deepness to that. Yeah. Well, I'm looking forward to your blade coming out. Um, I will probably pick one up as I have, uh, I will not tell my wife as she will probably be like, you need another one. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, of Appreciate course. That, man. It's like, of course, man. It's like, uh, it's like watches. Um, you you look wear one. Well, you look goofy wearing two, but you only need one, but. Here I am with four, <laughs> you know, so, but yeah, man, I'm, I'm, I'm super looking forward to that. Where can, where can people find you, your course schedule, things like that, what you got coming up? Yes. Uh, Allegiance defense solutions.com is the website. Uh, the course listings and the schedule is on there under upcoming courses. Um, I promote the majority of my stuff on Instagram. So I do everything on Instagram. It's david.acosta.jr junior. And uh, that's my primary Instagram account. And I try to put as much up there that I can as far as content and what I can um, manage, you know, trying to still be a good husband and father. That's always a priority, my man. Um, guys, I will put all of David's contact info, his Instagram and his website in the show notes below. Feel free to check him out. Take a course with David. Um, this was an amazing conversation. And David, thank you for your time. And I will definitely have you back. Looking forward to working with you in the future as well. Um, guys, check out David. Um, bring him some beard oil if you uh, ever if you ever if you ever come to a class. I think is just absolutely beautiful. I'm super jealous. Maybe one day I'll I'll be as manly as you. But David, thanks so much, my man. Appreciate you, Adam. Thank you. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to follow David, his links will also be in the show notes below. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. New episodes launch on Monday every other week.